Hello, welcome to Conversations with Ascend Mum podcast, hosted by me, Nicole Bateman. This is a very exciting episode because it is season one, episode one of Conversations with Ascend Mum. So the first ever episode. Today is going to be talking about the why behind the podcast, what I hope you will get from listening to this podcast, a little bit about me and my journey as Ascend Mum, and what's coming up in season one what conversations I have had and what you'll get from them. First of all, I want to share my hope. My hope for this podcast is that you will listen and you will feel less alone. You will listen to the conversations that I have with other SEND parents and you will resonate. You will know that you're not the only one going through what you're going through, whether that be the fight to advocate for the needs of your child, to the LA, to school, to GPs, to medical professionals. There's others like you that have been there. And I hope that sharing our wins and our challenges, the realities of SEND parenting, will also help break stigma, will help to engage people in understanding what it's like to navigate SEND parenting. I'm also going to be not only chatting with other SEND mums, I'm going to be talking to some professionals that care as well. Those that can share little tips and can help with signposting to the right support too. It's going to be great. I already have conversations with some of the SEND mums and recorded them. And I know that you're in for a treat. Even when I was chatting with them, there were so many times when we we both just, we just both got it. We were like, yeah, I feel like that too. And that's what I want for you listening. Whether that's in the car, when you're doing the dishes, going around the shop, <laughs> that little 20 minutes to just be with people and hear from people who get it. I want to share a little bit about my journey as a SEND parent. And at first, I need to take you back to about three and a half years ago, to a moment that changed everything for me. Like many of these episodes, I must say trigger warnings, trigger warnings for seizures. I'm going to be talking about them. And throughout the different episodes, I will place trigger warnings as well, because there there may be some things that, that we talk about uh, there are lighthearted things, there are wins, there are triumphs, but there are also challenges because that's real. So please, please bear that in mind as you listen. I'm taking you back to about three and a half years ago, to that moment that changed everything. I saw my son lying there, unresponsive. That moment, I, I thought he was dead. He was shallowy breathing. He was not responding his colour had drained. He had been having a bath with his sister, just like any other day. But then he started staring. He went rigid. We got him out of the bath and put him in the recovery position, but he was not responding. The two and a half, three minutes felt like hours. We phoned the ambulance. He was still not responding. And then he came round I was so relieved when he came round, but he was so tired. He was so confused. He didn't know who we are, where he was, what happened, and he just wanted to sleep. That moment, from that moment onwards, that was when I went on high alert. 
I was like a hawk watching his every move. We went to hospital, they did some different tests and they sent us home. They said that it was a seizure. Now, I don't know about you, but before my son had his seizure, when I thought of epilepsy, I think flashing lights and shaking on the floor. But this was different. Little did I know that there's actually over 40 different types of seizures. And, you know, this this was a type of seizure. Two weeks later, he had two in quick succession. So that meant that we had EEGs, which is where they stick wires with glue on your head, which, you know, for for anyone with any sensory issues, it's really tricky, especially if they're tactile sensitive. But that's another story for another day. And he had MRIs and they saw that he has constant abnormal activity on his brain. They diagnosed him with epilepsy. With half the people who have epilepsy, they have abnormal activity when they have seizures that it can be picked up in the EEG brain scan. But for him, for half of people with epilepsy, they have abnormal activity all the time. And that can impact cognition, learning, memory, you know, just if you think about it, there are things and there are hurdles that he has to get over every day in order to access things like everyone else, because he has to battle that activity in his brain. That diagnosis, I don't know about you, if you have had your child with any diagnosis, (laughs) I go into research mode. I go down every rabbit hole. I want to know everything. Like researching is, is kind of a stress management technique for me, whether that's healthy or not, I don't know. But I want to know everything. So I then became the expert in temporal lobe epilepsy. Um, He has focal epilepsy of the temporal lobe. I looked into the different things that the temporal lobe is responsible for. And a lot of things made sense, you know, that in the temporal lobe, you know, it's, it's linking with emotions and memory and things like that quite a lot. So because he has focal epilepsy, it means that his abnormal activity originates in one part of the brain. And so it then that side of the brain affects the other side of the body. So we often see rigidity on one side of the body. Or we see, for example, this morning, he was limping, just suddenly started limping. And that actually is a focal awareness seizure. A number of times, he would totally, you know, lose awareness. And then other times, he has awareness. But both are seizures, they're just different types of seizures. So his main types are focal impaired awareness and focal awareness seizures. And he also has other aspects too. But anyway, this isn't an epilepsy lesson. (laughs) But I think it's really important and something I'm really passionate about is breaking the stereotypes about epilepsy. Because like I said, People think flashing lights and shaking on the floor, but the impacts go way beyond that. And every person is different. 70% of people with epilepsy, they can have their seizures controlled by medication. There are lots of different medications to try. However, for my son, medication does not help. We have tried five different meds. He's currently on a combination of two. And this is the best that he's been, So, which is amazing and I'm so thankful for. 
However, his epilepsy is still uncontrolled three and a half years on, which is not where I wanted to be at this point. I thought, oh yeah, let's get him some meds. His seizures will be controlled and, you know, he can continue. However, the last three and a half years have been up and down, unpredictable. What I find the most tricky is the unpredictability of it. Because, for example, he can have like, like in October, for a week, to a week, for a week, etc. And then he can go, you know, for, for a number of weeks without a seizure. You just never know. And you try and work out the triggers. You know, flashing lights is actually only a trigger for 3% of people with epilepsy. His triggers, baths for, uh, until very recently, baths would trigger. And even saying the word bath triggered him for about two years because he had PTSD from remembering one of his seizures in a bath. So therefore, when a bath was mentioned, he'd then be so anxious, he would then have a seizure, which for me, I was like, what? How? How can that be? But it makes sense if you think about it. And I think anxiety, excitement, tiredness, illness, so general life can trigger. So it's really hard to manage. This Christmas was the first Christmas in four years where it wasn't seizure filled which is such a massive win for him and us and everyone. Because two Christmases ago, he had like five seizures in four days over the Christmas period. And we have to do certain things to try and limit the excitement, which sounds that's horrible, but it's about limiting that. And a lot of you, I'm sure, will resonate with that because of like, for example, my son's also autistic. So, you know, the sensory overwhelm of lights and music and people and all of those things. It's about managing the environments that we go into, the, I suppose, we risk assess where we're going, what we're doing. We, we try constantly in our heads to just work out how we can make this environment that we go into the best place for our kids that won't trigger sensory meltdowns or seizures or whatever it is. But we are always constantly assessing. I don't know about you, but my brain just is often spiraling and thinking so many steps ahead. It's it's hard. It's hard to be able to stop ourselves thinking, how will they cope when they're an adult? Or what's it going to look like if I'm not here? Those things go through your head. But right now, I have to tell myself that I've just got to equip my son with the different strategies to try and help him. And that's where a lot of my businesses and things like that have come from, have come from trying to equip him, to build him up, to help him to understand, for example, his sensory preferences through the super, super sensory squad, to help him communicate his feelings through my business, A Box Full of Joy. All of those different things all stem from trying to help him and then hopefully help other send parents and kids too. Because I was a teacher, uh, I was a teacher for 11 years in secondary school, but it wasn't practical to keep having to be called out every time he had a seizure to pick him up. So I had to leave teaching. And I'm sure there's many of you listening where you, you've left your careers, you've left different things like that because you, you want to be there for your kids. And I mean, advocating for them and sending emails and phoning people. I mean, it's like a full-time job. I, I mean, the amount of things that you have to chase up, it just takes so many hours, doesn't it? So many hours. So I've only shared a tiny bit there 
about the start of his epilepsy journey. And there's so much more to share. But it's having that understanding, isn't it, that it's not just us. There are many parents of kids with special educational needs and disabilities who have gone through different things, but we are connected because we know, we know the fight to advocate for our kids' needs and to make sure that our kids' needs are met. Throughout this season of Conversations with a Send Mum podcast, I'll be talking to many different Send Mums with different experiences and professionals who care. We'll be talking about hidden disabilities, physical disabilities and different special educational needs. I have set up a Patreon community for Conversations with a Send Mum pod and you can find that online and in the show notes. In there, there will be a monthly meetup so we can chat with others who truly get it and connect and support each other. There will also be bonus episodes that will be exclusively for you. There will also be PDFs, mini workshops and different resources from some of the guests that I'm speaking to, as well as from our sponsor, the Supersensory Squad. The Supersensory Squad is a business run by myself and Kate Smith, who is an occupational therapist. And our passion is to help kids understand their sensory systems using our eight different penguin characters that link to the eight sensory systems. We have things like a communication diary in there and other ways to help your kids uh, understand their sensory preferences and advocate for them. Throughout this season, I hope that you will resonate with different guests and you will feel less alone. There will also be send snapshot episodes, which will be about five minutes for us to digest on some things within send law and other little spotlights. I myself am going through currently a send law course with Ipsia, who are a charity that have really helped me through the EHCP process. So I want to learn more for myself and for you so that I can share that knowledge and help us all get the support that our kids need. Thank you so much for listening to episode one, season one of Conversations with Ascend Mum podcast. You can now straight away listen to episode two and three that are available right now. In episode three, I talked to Shelley, who talks about regulation and the nervous system and also shares about her journey as a send mum with her son who has ADHD. Thank you so much for listening to episode one of Conversations with Ascend Mum. I have been Nicole Bateman and I look forward to connecting with you. Please do follow us on Instagram at Conversations with Ascend Mum and do check out the Super Sensory Squad on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. Please do subscribe to this and share with anyone else who you think needs to know that they are not alone in their SEND parenting journey. There is a reflection journal available in the shared notes that you can download and you can use as you listen to any of our episodes to reflect on the journey and anything you've taken away from the episodes. That is a free gift to you and I hope you find it useful. Have a lovely week.